Hello, everybody. How are you doing on this morning? I'm glad to be here. Uh, I've been wrestling with a lot with this reconcile, so I'm excited to jump into the Word of God with you all. For those of you who don't know, if you're just now tuning in, this is our fourth, this is part four, the fourth and final week of this series called Reconcile. I want to shout out to my boy James last week, because James wasn't supposed to preach last week. I was. I want to say thank you to James. Uh, He stepped in. I had a death in the family and was looking out for me uh, and and pulled his up a week early. So thank you, James, for doing that because he brought the word. Uh, One of the things I really pulled, and I'm going to use that today, so make sure you you hear this, is that we are not this world even though we're in this world. All right? So that's going to make a lot of sense as we move forward. But for those of you who don't know, um, we have questions. So go ahead and write this number down and text it. If you have questions or we have a podcast where we're answering your questions, Pastor Pleck has a new podcast. And if you're on Slack or something, we're going to post it there for you to see where we're answering these questions. So any questions that you may have throughout this sermon or just stuff that's just not because we get those questions too, feel free to text us on this number. It'll be on all the screens. But again, we're in this series called Reconciled. And one of the things Chris said in the announcements is that Tomorrow, we're having our safe place to talk race. It's our last one as far as going week to week. And over the past few weeks, me personally, I have uh, been wrestling with some things throughout this safe place to talk race. Because what we're doing, we're literally talking about things that are going on in the nation, things that are going on in our city, and more specifically, some of the things that are going on within our church and, and, and how we're divided racially in some ways and how we're united and, and what we can do to move forward in the gospel and push the gospel forward. And we've been walking through that. And, and it just reminded me, like, I've been very, I've had some unsettling feelings these past week. Like some things have kind of came up in me that I thought I had let go. Uh, for those who know me or don't know, I, I joined the church, my wife and I, my family, we joined about three and a half years ago. And in doing so, we left the predominantly black church uh, because we felt God tugging on our spirit saying, hey, I want you to move to more diverse church. And for about 12 months, we was going to church week to week, different churches looking for the church. We've been to black, Asian, Hispanic. We've been to all different churches. Some were more diverse than others. And for just praying, God, where do you want us? Where would you have us to be? What do you want us to do? How are we supposed to do it, God? We don't know what we're supposed to do, where we're supposed to go. There were some Sundays that I would literally wake up 6, 7 o'clock in the morning so that I can go to about two or three services because we really wanted God to move. And we stumbled upon Wells Branch Community Church. My first, my first thoughts were this is a good church, not quite as diverse as I thought God was kind of moving me to, but I'm like, it's cool. It's going to work out. Got into everything. And over... And I enjoyed it because I like being the new kid. It was like everybody's loving me, my family. This, and eventually it got to a point to where that kind of honeymoon phase was over. I, I get on staff and I'm enjoying it. I always want to do ministry full staff. And I started to see things differently. Chris was taking me different places, allowing me to meet different groups of people. And I noticed that I was the only black guy in the room often, more often than not. It was just me. And I was like, man, this is crazy. I don't want to be this guy. I don't want to be the only black guy in the room, and why does this have to be my story? And God says, I appointed you. I put you here. I'm like, okay, God, well, I'm going to listen to whatever you say. You're doing good things. And so I would, I would meet people, and I'd invite them to church or invite my friends and my family to come worship with us. And i say, how would you like it? I'm excited to see what they think. They're like, it was good, but, and there was always this but. You know, usually this but leads to, well, the music or well, the this or well, the that. And it's not quite what I'm used to as far as growing up. And that didn't work out for us. And then I've even been told by some of my friends that I didn't think you would last this long. 
didn't think you would make it in a predominantly white church for long. And I'm like, man, my own family and friends are telling me this. And so I've struggled with this. And even to the point these past few weeks, I've asked myself, God, why do you even have me here? Am I supposed to be here? I mean, I get it, and, and I know I don't, I don't need right now people texting me to say, hey, Joseph, we love you. I know y'all love me, but I still wrestle with these, these thoughts in my mind, the enemy attacks, especially during the pandemic where I don't get to see you all, don't get to love on you all like I'm used to. The enemy begins to talk to my mind. I'm not exempt just like you're not exempt. And so we, we tend to, ra- to, to wrestle with this racial reconciliation in the church for three reasons. Well, think about it. The first reason that we wrestle with it is here. We take care of our own first. Y'all, if you don't know, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood, black and Hispanic neighborhood in a single parent home. That, that stereotypical idea of the black family, that was me. Mom worked all these different jobs, four boys. That was me. And so in my mind, I'm going to go and I'm going to make sure I take care of black men, make sure they don't end up and have the same story that I have. In my mind, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm doing that. I want to take care of my own to make sure we can make it. My own. The black people. That's where I was. That's where I was thinking. Another reason we do this is we don't put the word first. We're going to see, and we've seen over the past few weeks, that once you begin to lean into God, you stop looking at things through the lens of race. You stop looking at things through the lens of politics, through social economics, through sports teams those things that tend to divide us heavily. You stop looking at it and you begin to look through the word. But the only way that can happen is if we put the word first. And lastly, we don't believe others will put God first. And so for some of us, we've probably never shared the gospel. For some of us, we're scared of what people may think when I share my faith, that thing that is life-changing that I come and I worship every Sunday. To We're scared to even press one button and share this with people on our social media. Share this with a friend because we don't know what they're going to think. They might not like me after this. And so this is where we're going uh, over the next few minutes. If you'll kind of bear with me through this together because God's been working on me seriously and my hopes is that I can be vulnerable with you guys to, to model it and show that it's okay. You know, it's okay to think and then allow the gospel to overcome these thoughts. So would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you uh, that you've entrusted us to be ambassadors of your word. God, you've called us to, to not allow this word to just sit inside of us, God, but to go out to your people, to your nation, God, to share this with them. So I pray that this word convicts us, uh, that it shifts some things up in our lives, that it makes us begin to, begins to change our thought process and pattern to lean more into you, God. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty most son's name, in the gracious name, precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You say amen. All right. So you already know there has to be some interaction when we do this because I can't see you. So what I need you to do, take it old school. We're going to open our Bibles up to Acts chapter 6. When you have it, stand up. I want you to read Acts chapter 6 with me. We're going to start at verse 1. We only got a few verses in this. So Acts chapter 6, verse 1. When you have it, type in there, amen, because I'm going to go back and read. But we're standing for the reading of God's word. And it reads, now in these days, make sure you're reading with me. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number. All right, I'm going to pause there just real quick. You can go ahead and take a seat because I got to stop there because this is something real good. Take a seat. For those of you who didn't stand up, just know that the Lord is watching you. 
That's all I want to say. Leave it at that. But it says, now in these days, and I stopped right there because there's so much to unpack. Because for me personally, I said, now in these days, well, what days are they talking about? What days? So I need you to do something. You who have your Bibles open, I don't even have the screen slide up. I just want to go back a couple of verses to see what days are they talking about. So you look back at verse 42 in chapter 5. What days are they talking about? Verse 42 says, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. So now in these days, when they were going to the temple every day, and they was going from house to house to house to house preaching the gospel, there was an increasing in number. This increasing in number, uh, throughout Acts, you'll see that, that Luke, when he's writing, he talks about the Lord added to the church. The Lord added, the Lord added, added, added. This word increasing, when you look at the Greek, it implies multiplication. This tells us a few things. The multiplication tells us that they're administratively on point. They're watching, they're, they're writing down, keeping, keeping tabs on who they're ministering to, who's converting and giving their lives to Christ. This is administrative things. But when I looked at verse 42, it says, they, well, who's the they that's doing this, right? So you have to go back up one more. Look at verse 41. It says, then they, there's they again, who is they? They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Well, we already know the name is Jesus, but we still don't know who the they is. But we know that they were, were beat up and, and, or, or something happened to them bad, but they was rejoicing for it. So, so one more verse. If you walk on one more verse, I know for you studious ones, you've already read verse 40, so you know who it is, what it says. And when they had called, when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. So this is important. I know this ain't really part of the text, but it is that we're going over today because it's important for you to know the apostles, the ones that was following Jesus Christ, what just happened and why that leads to this first big problem, this first problem in the church. Quite frankly, it's the first problem in the church. These jokers literally just got beat up, physically beat up, ribs probably broken, Beat up to the point to where they walk out and they say, I got beat up. I, they're celebrating getting beat up in the name of Jesus. And so my first thing challenge for you in question is, what prompts your posture for praise? What's prompting you? Because while I'm out here worrying about the people that didn't like my, 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 my post that I made about Jesus or, or worrying about that person in the store that might not kind of like that I'm singing my gospel music or whatever music I'm listening to out loud in the store. Or I'm worried about what people will think. These, these, these apostles are worshiping because they got beat up for giving God's word to his people. And they didn't stop after they got beat up because it says they went to the temple every day. They went from house to house. And so it's great. We have to understand what prefaces increasing. This multiplication was nothing stopped them. Can't stop, won't stop. Nothing stopped them from presenting God's word. So now we can go a little bit further into this. It says, now in these days, the disciples were increasing in number. And just, to, just real quick, the disciples aren't the apostles. The apostles were the twelve. The disciples are what we call believers, new converts, people coming to Christ. So when you hear this word disciples, don't think of the ones that was following Jesus, the 12 disciples. Think of disciples now as this is you and me, the ones that are doing this on a daily basis, that are bringing people to Christ. It says, the, 
it says a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because they were. A complaint arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So what's happened is you have these Hellenists or these Greek speaking Jews, and then you have the Hebrew or Aramaic speaking Jews. And these two groups, if I can describe these, the the the. Hellenists were the ones, they was that family member that you thought was lazy. They didn't really do what everybody else was doing. They kind of did their own thing, kind of, they didn't follow traditions. If you was thinking about it, you know, you got that relative. And then the, the Aramaic or the Hebrew Jews, the one that was Aramaic, uh, spoke Aramaic, they was the ones who were looked at as being bougie. You know, you got that cousin, they think they're better and Hasidity. That, that one, this, this is this. And so the only thing that really se- uh, separates these two is language. They speak a different language. They're, they're Jews. They're united or we're supposed to be united in Christ for what Jesus did on the cross, but they're separated. So the first thing is this. The disciples' identity were in the world. Remember, this isn't the 12. This is the ones, this is those new converts and people coming to Christ. But their identity was in the world. See, what happened was the world is divided by race and culture and language and politics and socioeconomic. And what's happening now is this, this outside source, what's in the world, is beginning to creep its way into the world, in, into, the ch- into the church. And the church is becoming divided to the point to where a complaint is made. The, the, the text would imply kind of with this complaint that it wasn't even a loud complaint. It was a whisper, a murmur. You know, that, that thing where uh, uh, you kind of say under your breath, where you get disciplined by your parent, and you go, like, uh, and they say, what you say? It was one of those. And then you feel obligated, well, now I have to say it. It was kind of one of those secret little complaints that they're making. And it came out, hey, y'all are treating the, the, the women over here bad. Our, our women are bad. And they begin to be divided and not united in Christ. They begin to be divided because of they were looking through the lens of their culture, because of how they looked externally. And, and, and this is the problem. This is a problem within the church that we can't reconcile because we're allowing ourselves, we're trying to put me first. We're looking through the lens of color. I'm telling y'all, here recently, here recently, uh, this past Thursday, we do preaching practice. Every Thursday we do preaching practice. And, and we're, prep, we're prepping for focus. For those who don't know what focus is, it's kind of where we do our vision for the year as a church. And Chris is preaching first and going through his sermon for that. And over these past few weeks, I've been telling you, it's kind of these feelings that I thought were gone, that I'm like, okay, I'm going to do what God's called me to do, regardless if I'm the only one that looks like me, I'm just going to keep moving, regardless of that. And, and Chris was preaching, and I just felt this thing coming up in me like, ah, I don't know if that's right. And one of the things he had said that kind of just, I'm literally so frustrated, I'm shaking in my chair. He had said, he said well, Joseph's going to start preaching more in his sermon. And, and I had looked at the sermon calendar, and in the sermon cal- calendar, Joseph wasn't preaching, but one more sermon. In my mind, I see one more sermon. I'm like, well, he can't really, like, is that really more, Chris? Like, am I really preaching more? I'm like, I'm not about to be this token black guy that you want to wave and say, hey, we want to be diverse, so let Joseph preach another sermon. I didn't want to be that guy. I know you're thinking, what? is Joseph really saying? Yes. Guess what? As pastors, we're still, we still have problems and we still discuss these kind of things and it goes on. And so this is what happened from that. 
afterwards, I try to be non-confrontational. I said, Chris, I'm preaching more. He's like, yeah, you ain't checked the calendar. I was like, I checked it. You know, it was kind of a setup. I checked it, but it ain't really more. Like, yeah, it's more. Like, nah, not more. And that's how the conversation started with me and Chris and Grayson's here and James is here. And we had to sit down. You see, oftentimes a lot of us have complaints that we're making or we have complaints that we're mumbling about and we're scared to bring it forward. But once, when you don't bring it forward, the only thing that can grow is that frustration and that, that fatigue and that mental and the enemy begins to talk to you because he was talking to you. He was telling me that they don't love you. They don't appreciate you. They just want to use you as a black guy to try to get other people of color in the church. And I, and I, and I came to, I said, I can't, I can't just let this be like this. And we begin to ha- have a conver- conversation. We, get, we begin to talk about, hey, look, if we're going to say this, then do it. I don't mind not preaching, but don't use me as your token. And, and Chris said, oh, that's not what he's trying to do. And, and change began to happen after that. Because what happens is once you begin to tell your concerns, because some of us are holding some things inside, in regards to if it's relationship with spouse, relationship with friends, relationship with the church, with community groups, or whatever you're in, we're holding these, thing, these things inside, and, and it's eating away with us, at us. And it was eating away at me. Like to the point that a few weeks ago I got a job offer and was like, ah, I'm probably going to take this. And I didn't even want to pray about it because I knew God was going to tell me no. But I was just tired. I was operating in my own will. So this is what happened. Look at, look at verse. This is the, the answer. This is how they, they solved this problem. Look at verse 2. And the twelve summoned of the full number of disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Their priorities were straight. They understood what their lane was. Their lane was to preach the gospel. And just a real quick serving tables here. Serving tables isn't something you do at Chili's. That's not what this is talking about. Serving tables here is referring to being the administrator in front of the table that passes out the food for the widows and the money for the widows. Because remember, the Bible tells us in Acts at the beginning, first two and four, and when they had everything in common. They was in one, of one heart and of one mind. They had everything in common. So it's like, hey, you want it? You can take it. Help out whoever you want to help out. That's what they were doing. They had everything in common. But still, the enemy begins to divide and try to conquer by dividing them. Let's see what they do. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So what they did is they took the group of people that felt offended, the Hellenist Jews. They took them and said, hey, everybody, I want y'all to pick seven people. Pick seven men to, to come. They have to have good reputation. They have to be full of the Holy Spirit. And they have to be full of wisdom. So they have to be practically, spiritually practical and uh, be able to uh, applicate or put application to the word. You see, those are hard characteristics to find, but those are also characteristic traits. Those aren't external traits. They're not looking for who has the most money. They're not looking for who was the strongest. They say, hey, these men have to be full of the spirit. This is important for us to understand because if they weren't full in the spirit, then division has its ability. The Satan can still get us with that division. The Satan Satan will be able to divide the church still because you got to remember that with growth comes tension, comes strain. But with that strain comes God-given solutions. But the only way that you can know what that God 
given solutions are is what, what are they doing? They're praying. They're preaching the word. And that God's given solution was to delegate this to, to some good men, to some men who were of good report and that everyone could pick. So look, look at verse four. It says, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of word. That's what they did. That devotion to the prayer and the ministry of word. That's what's important. That's what's important because listen to this. This is the first problem in the church. The church is growing, adding, and now it's multiplying. And as soon as that happens, a problem comes. I'm here to tell you that it is okay for you to feel attacked. It's okay for you to feel attacked. You're supposed to feel attacked. If you're not feeling attacked, then you're doing something wrong. If the enemy isn't trying to stop you, if you don't feel like, if you feel like you got everything together, then maybe you're doing something wrong because he doesn't see you as a threat. Why mess with them? They're not doing nothing. They're not going to share the gospel. They're not going to go out and preach. I'm not going to mess with. So if everything you feel like is okay, maybe you're doing something wrong. But it's okay for that because what happens is the the, the job of the gospel is to overcome that thing. So that's when we get to see the gospel do what the gospel does. Because verse 4 tells us that they devoted to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I know some of you are thinking that, uh, the, the apostles probably think that they're too good to serve tables. No, they just knew their lane. Chris's job is to preach the word of God, to pray for us, to, to, to delegate jobs and duty. That's his job. When Chris has to go through every lane, then we pull him away from his duty. That's his job. And we got to begin to walk and understand that God needs his people to step up and say, I'm ready to do this work. I'm ready to move throughout this. Because the Bible tells us that serving from verse 1 because we see that or, or dis- the daily distribution from verse one and that the ministry of the word, those two words in Greek are the same word. So you're telling me that daily distribution or serving is the same as ministry. Yes, they go hand in hand, the spiritual and the practical formation in the formation of God's people. Like you need both. They're meeting both the physical and the spiritual needs of the people. You need that. You need both. So what does that mean? Guess what? If you're in a parking lot ministry, it's important for you to be there. People need that. People need to hear that. People need to see you smile. People need to see you waving at them. If you're helping people in hospitality ministry, if you're welcoming people in, people need that. That's ministry on your jobs. That's ministry. You doing your job is ministry because people see that and they wonder, why are you always smiling? Oh, let me tell you about a story about this man I know named Jesus. People want and need to know that what you're doing is what God wants you to do. And you need to ask him, God, how, how can you use me in this? And so here are the seven men. Look at verse five. Here are the seven men. It says, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. So unanimously, unanimously they voted and said, this is good. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Antioch. They picked these seven men. We learn more about Mr. Stephen in the next chapter and how he becomes this great preacher. But sometimes God wants to place you in a place that you may feel is low mentally in your mind. You're telling yourself, y'all, I wrestle with being the only black guy all the time. And and God overcomes with his gospel. I called you to be here. I want you to be here. And I think that people don't love me, but I know you love me. I know you got my back. I know that. And the enemy is talking to some of your minds right now, telling you you're not good enough. Telling you that eh, this job, that's what you're doing. 
you can do better than that. This wife, these kids, he's trying to attack your mind over and over and over and over again. And we allow it by not uh, jumping in and leaning into the gospel. This is what the apostles did. Every moment they got prayer. How good is it to be busy with prayer? I know we take it for granted at times, but how good and pleasant it is to be busy in the word. Let's look at verse six. These, they say, they sat before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. They commissioned them. They said, go, go do the ministry. We give you the authority to take this, to handle this situation. They needed to open up, put people in place so that they can go back to the temple, so that they can go back to from house to house, preaching the God's, God's word and so that it can grow. So what do we see? We see that the apostles' identity was in the word. It's important for you to understand where your identity is because Jesus wasn't, uh, a, Jesus wasn't a guy for the Democrats. Jesus wasn't a Republican. Jesus, Jesus wasn't for the rich. Jesus, wasn't, Jesus was for everybody. It wasn't split there. He didn't care what you look like, where you came from. He, was, he is for everyone. And it's important for us to begin to look through the lens of the Bible, look through the lens of the word, look through the lens of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary's cross. It's important for us to see through that lens because what's happening is we, me, I find myself walking around my daily life thinking, ooh, am I this? Am I that? Because of the color of my skin. Is somebody judging me because of the color of my skin? Allowing my, my thoughts to be controlled by how I look in spite of who I am eternally. for you is, is, is to say, to take a step back and evaluate how you look. And your lens may not be race. You may be all good there. You may feel like. You may be. But is there something in you that is allowing, that your identity, that takes you away from who God is? Is social media? Is your identity in that? Is that where you spend all your time? Do you get frustrated with it? Do you find yourself opening your phone and tapping a TikTok? And looking through the videos, where do you spend your time? Because your identity may not be race. Your identity may be in something else. It's that thing that divides you and hinders you from the unity with Christ, from that unity with your brothers and sisters. What is taking you away? So lastly, verse 7, it says this, And the word of God continued to increase. This is important that it continued to spread. It's continued. Why is this important? Because we, we're finishing how we started. The first part of this tells us in verse 1 that there was an increase. At the end, it doesn't just tell us that there was an increase. Remember, God gives these solutions, and he needs us to, to these God-given solutions, he needs us to lean into him to, to know how to apply these God-given solutions. But what are the results of these God-given solutions? Even a greater increase. Because this isn't just increase, it's continued increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. So they just weren't multiplying. They were multiplying greatly. So not only was there increase, there was a greater increase. You see, when you lean into God-given solutions and you stop allowing uh, the world to dictate how the church should be divided, when you lean into what God has called us to do, when we lean into who God has called us to be as Christians, as believers, then there's a greater increase. It's not just a multiplication. It's a greater multiplication. For those of you who aren't math, that's exponential growth. That means God is doing something in you. He's doing something in me, and I'm not scared to share. I'm not scared to share. I'm not scared of what I believe. 
And I'm willing to walk it out because what happens is some of us tend to be afraid to share it because we know on Monday through Saturday, we live a different life. And if I share, now I'm accountable. If I share, now people will be watching. We should want people to watch. We should want people to watch how when bad things happen, how we lean into it. When the, when the enemy tries to bring in division and dissension, how we say, hey, you know what? In the name of Jesus, this is how we're going to conquer this. You see, the, the, the apostles, their ability to adapt, because this is a new church. It's growing fast, and they had to adapt and change things. It's okay to make mistakes. You know, at the end of that conversation that we had with Chris, as Chris was walking out the door, he said, if there's more talks that we need to have, let's do it. Why? Because I can't grow if you don't talk to me. If you assume my agenda and never talk to me, then you are wrong. And so I'm sure me and Chris will talk more. We will talk. I'm not sure. I'm telling you, we'll talk more. We'll talk through the things that I felt frustrated about because I don't have to keep these in. How can he grow? How can I grow if we never have these conversations? And I know some of you think you may be perfect and that you got it all together. And this is just for this, those folks who have struggles and you're wrestling with things in your mind because that's where the enemy wants to attack you first anyway. Because if he can get your mind, he can get your body. If he can get your mind, he can get you to do some things that you don't or never saw yourself doing. Amen. So what? So let's see who else was saved doing this. It says in the number as the numbers increased greatly, they multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of priests because uh, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Y'all, the word of God changed Jerusalem. People that weren't supposed to be uh, saved, religious leaders, people who 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 condemned Jesus Christ, people who said you're not the, the savior, people who said all these things begin to come to faith. You see, for us, we think that that people won't accept God first. People won't put God first, but it's not our place to tell. It's our place to share and let God do what only God can do. To me, if I believe that the word of God is strong in me and can change my life, then I should go out and say, hey, I believe it can change your life too. I believe you can do more, uh, that you can be a better person because of who God is, not because of who you are. Because that was the, the criteria. Remember, they had to be full of the spirit, not full of themselves. They had to be full of the spirit, not full of themselves. Full of themselves means I'm reacting. I'm trying to solve it for myself. I'm trying to do my own thing. We got to come to the, the place where we truly lean into the word of God. I'm guilty of this. I'm guilty of thinking that uh, every time a cop is behind me, they're going to pull me over and something bad's going to happen. God says, lean into me. I'm guilty of this. And I have to fight daily and overcome with the gospel. God, you're more powerful. Remember, if Satan isn't attacking you, then you're probably not pushing the gospel. You're probably, you're probably on the wrong team. He wants to take us out. He wants to divide us. If we're growing, if you feel it growing, this is what he wants to do. That's his job. And when we say nothing, we allow him to be successful. See through the lens of Christ, not through the lens of me, not through the lens of Netflix, not through the lens of, of Facebook or Instagram or the news. See through the lens of Christ, not through the politics or how much money you make. See through the lens of Christ. And so my question for you today is this. Is your identity of the world or is it in the word? Is your identity of the world or is it in the word? And it, it's, it's just this. Sometimes we can allow our, uh, our pride in our culture, our pride in our jobs, our pride in our social media, our pride in everything else overshadow our love and our faith in Jesus Christ. It overshadows all that. We begin to see through the lens of that. We allow those things to separate us. And God says, I want you to be united in me first. 
I want you to pick me first. What would Jesus do? That takes such a different aspect when you're thinking about what would Jesus do during this? Would he tell me to love on my brother and sister? Would he tell me to be quiet or would he tell me to step up and, and, and speak? So don't be in and of this world. We need to be in the word. We need to be in God. We need to be about our father's business. We have to be. We have to be if we want to see the world change. We have to be if we want to see the neighborhoods change. We have to be if we want our households to change. God has to come first. He has to. He has to. And the only way that happens is prayer, getting in your word. So would you do something for me? At this time, we're going into a, a time of prayer and confession. During this time, it's for us to just say, hey, God, you know what? I'm not perfect. I know that. I recognize that I've been full of myself. This is a time for if this is your, if you've never accepted Christ and Savior, you can confess your sins. We want to talk to you afterwards. We'd love to hear from you. This is that time. But I need you to pray right now. And if you feel you've been perfect your whole life, you probably definitely need to pray. This is a word for all of us. This Acts 6 right here, this is changing the way I think. This is changing the way I walk. This is changing the way I approach and talk to people. This is changing everything because I have to be united. And I have to catch myself when I'm not. And the only way I can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. I have to be full of him. I have to be full of God. I have to be. We have to be. So if you pray with me, take a little time. Uh, take a little time out right now. Bow your head. Close your eyes. Remember the Lord's watching you. Take a little time and just pray. Father God, we thank you. God, we need you right now. God, there is none like you. God, my posture is for you, God. I don't care what people may say. I don't care what people may do to me. God, it's all about you, about your word. God, give me the strength, the courage, God, to keep pushing. When the enemy attacks, God, give me the strength and the courage to keep pushing. When people tell me I'm not good enough, God, keep pushing. God, with you on my side, nothing else matters. God, with you on my side, I'm more than a conqueror. God, with you on my side, I can do all things because I'm strengthened through you, God. So God, I pray for us, us as a church, us as a people, God, us as believers. God, do what only you can do. Only your Holy Spirit. We give this to you, God. Only you can do this, God. Be with us, guide us. In the name of Jesus, we pray.